0: So welcome to Craggy Rugby Podcast, it's the Treviso away edition It's a slightly different, different feel to the podcast this week We're going to be watching a recording of the game that we've managed to procure um, And we'll do our normal updates, 20 minutes, half time, 60 minutes and at full time And we'll have our normal bits and pieces at the end after the podcast It'll be William Davies, hi hey, William Evening Alan And Dave Finn will be joining us later Good evening everybody So William do
1: we do a, an intro to this, or do we just talk about the match? Or? Um, well, I think beforehand we were all expecting Connacht to win this, but it's, it's not a place where they've, uh, they've had tough times over there. And uh, they certainly owe them one after uh, last season. We obviously all know the result, and they've had a good one, but it'll be interesting to see now exactly how this game played out and how, how Connacht set themselves up. Games in Italy often have a habit of getting a little bit disjointed and a bit broken up. Indeed, indeed. Well, we will talk again on twenty minutes.
0: Okay, it's just gone twenty minutes on our clock, and um, we don't have a obviously don't have a match clock here, and we're not stopping as the ref goes. But uh, Connacht are about to kick their second penalty. What's your thoughts so far, William?
1: It's a very disjointed. Start. It's been a, a, a lot of stopping and starting, quite a few injuries uh, or pretend injuries for guys the Italian guys to get a bit of a rest I think referees starting to get wise to that some aimless kicking but Connacht have controlled really from about 10 minutes on they've started to to dominate field position and um, they're settling into the game Treviso did have a couple of chances there were just an offload just not going to hand they could have got Got very close to scoring a couple of tries, but Connacht have worked their way back in and they've, they've actually speeded the game up, which I think is was important because it was being played at Treviso's pace.
0: Okay, it's halftime and Connacht, as everyone knows, lead by 20 points to five. But just, just the last play of the half there, William, it looked like um, Connacht had, had got another score, but um, I don't know. It's <laughs> Some people, I know people on on the message board who've seen the highlights are sort of saying that why why is that a knock on? It doesn't look like a knock on that it should have been given. So basically carty chips ahead, ball bounces in front of him, he puts his hand up to catch it, realises he's not going to get it, um, hits it onto his foot, flicks it across the field, pull him and picks it up and scores. Um which would have been a lovely try, but looked like a knock on to me.
1: Yeah, it l- it looks like a knock on because it wasn't under control. But what's Added to the confusion is the referee's mic, of course, just decided to start cutting out at that stage. Um, but he seemed to suggest that it hit the ground and he kicked it off the ground. I, I don't think he did. So I, I I think they probably got to the right decision, but they didn't actually get there in the right way. South and the linesman had a chat. This was a non-TMO match. Um, John Muldoon didn't look very happy, but Connick 20 points to five up. Um, nicely worked try by uh, Caelan Blady. He just saw a nice little space and went into it. And a really, really good try by Finlay Beelam with a bit of a, a sidestep that would have kept Barry John happy. And that's going back a bit. Um, Fox made offload and he just sidestepped and was gone. Uh, Trevizov kept going and they, they, they worked their try quite well um, across the field, a bit, bit of pressure on, but... They are walking a bit now. They, they really started to the struggle there. They're sucking air quite, quite hard. And there's another thing that we've spotted on, on the playback we're watching is uh, I can only assume it's mosquitoes or flies. The referees had some cream brought out, but all the players are, seem to be beating flies off themselves. <laughs> um, so it must be spring in Italy and the, the biters have come back to life. Indeed, indeed.
0: We'll talk again on 60 Minutes. Okay, we've just hit sixty minutes,
1: and Tiernan scored that wonderful try with some awesome play from the forwards. Yeah, a couple of really uh, very high quality offloads from uh, big forwards there who were enjoying themselves. It's been a stoppy, starty kind of twenty minutes. Bit, uh, it's a typical game in Italy now. It's it's just the it's just the way they are. They become very disjointed, but Connacht have kept their concentration. I think. I've come to the conclusion watching Italian teams in in this competition the the difficulty comes through if you lose your concentration you've got to w- work at that all the time and they've Connacht have done that so they've they haven't had to worry about anything in the game they've controlled mm-hmm. the game yeah. even the you know they they had the game won by half time they they've just kept going and they've 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 closed it out now really quite easily um but compare that to when we played them uh, earlier uh, in in last season, over there, where we did we lost our concentration now once you lose your concentration in a disjointed game like that, you can suddenly find yourself out of it very quickly mm. and they 've done okay um, i 'd been very impressed with james cannon uh, he 's been calling all the lineouts, and he looks really in control in that part of the game it 's something we 've missed all season. You've got to take account the opposition that's competing with you, but he's done really, really well and he's looked good. And uh, overall, everybody has done good things at different times. It's not a game that there's a lot of standout performances in so far, um, but they've just they've just stuck to the tap.
0: OK, it's full time. And as we all know, it was a really good win for, for Connacht. Um, 34-19. William.
1: Yeah, just having said that the, they would kept their concentration, once all the subs came on, it's unusual to see Connacht clearing their bench in that big a numbers all one after the other. It, it did get quite disjointed mm. and they'll be concerned about the fact that that looks a nasty injury to Nipia Fox-Matamua. He, he looked like he was going to score under the post and he just tried to turn and it would seem to be his ankle just give way under him. Um, it might just be a strain Could be one of those things He didn't score They got two chances to score One from a, just a kick ahead After a, a bad pass in, in the Connacht back line And they scored And they scored another try after another Connacht mistake So they didn't really come back into the game no. But they did They did get two scores And Connacht will be disappointed with that uh, And I would expect the Pat Lamb and the coaching staff will be annoyed They expect the guys that come off the bench to contribute and to get up to the pace of the game and they 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 didn't quite manage that. No, no they didn't. Although Tom Farrell, fingers pointing, I thought played quite well. Yeah, yep, Tom 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 Farrell did. Uh he was getting plenty of uh, plenty of support from your side anyway <laughs> to become one of your new favourites, Alan. Um it was I mean it's the first bonus bonus point win we've ever had over there. Yep. Um they had guys coming from Italian amateur rugby. They, they Look, they did their best, but they're a very, very limited side. So that's the result you would expect Connick to get. But they got it. They've only picked up the one injury. They got the five points. And it's just a matter of rolling on to Zebra this week. Um, I am intrigued about the fact that they all seem to still be suffering right through the second half with either insects or flies or yeah. something. Um, I think they caused more problems than than Treviso did. <laughs> well, Treviso were getting annoyed by these wretched things as well. Um, job done. Um, you probably... It's a game they'll analyse very quickly and move on from.
0: So, it's the... Game section of the podcast, and we've got Dave Finn, who's
2: been sitting quietly watching the game. Your thoughts, Dave? A professional performance, uh, just what you're looking for. Uh, you know, I agree with virtually everything you've said, guys. Um, a little bit very disjointed when the substitutes came on. Some of the guys, uh, I think Bundy looked a little rusty. Started off a bit slowly. Uh, good, good things to say. Um, Nothing, I mean, I'm, i nothing against going I thought Callum had a very good game. I am I'm slightly surprised he got man of the match. I think we, we all agree that James Cannon was outstanding. We think Sean O'Brien was just a force of nature. Um, a little disappointed with the two tries more, but they were sloppy rather than they were, more than we were under pressure. I, I agree with you lads. And I think is I think we need to look into a fact is that we don't know how warm it was out there. I mean, I genuinely was worried for the health of the referee at times. He seemed to be in really, <laughs> he seemed to be in real trouble, struggling to breathe. There seemed to be attack of it seemed to be invasion of the of, of the body midges. it was just ridiculous I mean scrum time was just you, don't, you the scrums weren't weren't being set because everybody was just trying to punch a punch about ten thousand mosquitoes on both sides. but the job was done it was done after sixty minutes i yeah mentally I think we switched off I think every now and again you have to you have to say that when we play Italian teams, we drop down to their level and thankfully we did that after having secured basically the five points we've seen it last year we we dropped down at their level after fifteen minutes and we ended up losing the game zebra. Um, back, back, back in the battle, back on the far side of last year, Zebra, we dropped to their level and they were beating us until the, the gods of rugby intervened. Um, yeah, it was done. It was professional. You, you, like I say, you take the positive out of that. You, you do, but they all focus on negatives. There were poor handling errors and poor, poor decision making that led to the. I'd say that led to the three tries. Never mind the two tries. And the injury to Napier, they would be the things they'll take out of it. But there are positives. It's five points. It's a, look at this stage. We have to be we have to be realistic about it. The the victory for Clan over Munster has changed the whole dynamic of everything. Because suddenly we're now looking at a situation where sixth is just not good enough. Because if we if we finish sixth go on a great run, we finish ahead of both Scottish teams, and that is you might as well finish eighth. It's finish, finished. It's finished sixth in those circumstances, and we have to be realistic about it. Monster throwing away a twenty one three lead you you don't expect that Thurmon Park um, fair, play to, fair play to the Scarlets if you if you score three tries in five minutes against Monster you deserve to win the game but the knock on effect for us is that sixth now becomes almost meaningless because of because of the Glasgow situation
0: it does yeah so now you know this is the the, the classic Italian thing where an Italian team is is guaranteed and. A Scottish team is also guaranteed, so we could finish sixth, which would be optically would probably be very good, considering we're champions. Um, but we still have to get there. We still have to get ahead of Cardiff, and we still have to beat Glasgow in order to do it.
1: Yeah, it's 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 an old situation um, because it's almost it's it's almost a replica of the Italian situation. Glasgow know as long as they finish ahead of Edinburgh, they're going to get a Champions Cup place. Um, that's the deal that was signed. So we just have to get on with it, but it is it is a bit odd, and I think we'll we'll come back to it, and at some stage it it will I suspect have to be looked at again, just exactly how this works, and there's other complications about the playoff to do with teams in the Challenge Cup. So it's it's the usual bit of confusion that floats around this uh, qualification process. It's a good they've. Friday night I expect them to, they'll, to beat Zebra and I expect them to get a bonus point at home I, they, they, should, they should hand out a caning on Friday night that's what they should be looking to do eliminate some of the errors we saw in this game and then that's stage one over you move into the next stage um, which is uh, Glasgow away uh, then the, re- the refix match against uh, Zebra away and an away match to Edinburgh Before Leinster come at home. So these are little pods of games. And irrespective of where you're going to finish or what the end of the season brings, you just want to win every game now. And it's an opportunity. I said it last week. It's still a big opportunity for players to show what they can do. And there's a few guys there. I'm thinking of maybe Tiernan O'Halloran. Players who will be on the fringes of the Irish summer tour. Mm. Who will be looking... To get good solid performances, and and this is the format that they're going to get the opportunity to do it in. So there's still a lot to be played for, but it's it's become it's not as tangible as last year. I agree with Alan. If you could finish sixth and say, well, we got sixth, but we still have to go into the playoff, which is a bit odd. Um, that might be a tad frustrating for them, but it's just a matter of rolling on. And I, you know, I I, I expect them on fr- Friday night, which hopefully a dry night. And get out there and play with a bit of decent rugby. Yeah, one way or
0: the other. we need to win, Dave.
2: Oh God, yeah. I mean, it's just simple momentum. I mean, we this would then be um, this would then be four games in a row. It would be four wins in a row, which two years ago was like, oh, that's great, that's fantastic. Unfortunately, we we had last year where we had we just went on runs of games. Um, but it's about momentum. I, I think there's loads. Of, there's loads of little subplots going on. Like, does. Well, an interesting one. If Rob Kearney is injured, does Tiernan go into the team, or do they automatically bring back Jared Payne? If Jared Payne is coming back, does he come back at fifteen or thirteen? In that case, does the ring get up? And it all gets messy. So Tiernan has to keep playing high for if he wants to get into. I'm not just about the summer tour, but he's a chance of playing against against the Welsh. I don't think he will, but he should be trying to. He should be always pushing for that. There's an interesting little sub cameo as which Connacht lock is going to go into the Irish squad? Is it Quinn or is it Alton? Um, Finley, I mean God Almighty, I'm sorry, but there's no way that Tig Furlong, good as he is, is going to do a step that Finley did. I've never, I mean, Finley's has just been improved immensely. The reason he probably hasn't been on the bench is a, is because he's been physically wrecked and he's had a rest and he's just done that. I'm not anti John Ryan. I think John Ryan has been very, very good this season. And again, it's a foreign player being picked, but John Ryan can't do that. So Finney might be trying to play himself in the squad. And then you've got the guys who haven't necessarily signed contracts. who so are thinking the likes of back to Tom Farrell. Tom Farrell is only tech, is only with us at the moment until June. Put your hand up. Let the let it, let reports go back to to Kieran Kane that this guy is really putting his hand up. Little subplots, and then the wider picture of that, finishing as high up the table as you can, and also rebuilding the we're building the sports ground as a ground where teams don't win and that's the nod of it it's all tiny little subplots that all come together in a big in a big sort of mélange at which point you just say connect must win and I know, of all weekends we need to say you need to be wary of assuming that you're going to spank an italian team yeah yeah <laughs> of all the weekends we need to that um, but we should be at least trying to go out there and be ready for anything they can throw at us yeah i'm not i'm not going to i'm not going to say that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I watched them against Ulster at home, their,
1: their their game. They might have a few Italian internationals back, although if I was Conor O'Shea, I would be saying, no, I'm keeping my squad together and we're going to go and get ready to go to, they're playing France and I think it's in Paris. Um, so I think Zebri could turn up here with a similar sort of side to what played against Ulster. Uh, Ulster were very guilty in that game of scoring two tries almost too quickly. 14-0 up, they went to sleep. Zebre worked really hard, uh, but they were never going to really get into the game and and Ulster closed out their their, their five points. But it's an opportunity for Connacht to to cut loose a little bit and I think it would help them if they could actually just have a performance like that where they could put it all together because there's elements there that are working really well and then something small just goes wrong. And there's harder games ahead and I think you can, if you can roll on from a, from a good, solid performance. I mean, four wins in a row, you would take it. Failure to get a bonus point against the Dragons will yeah. annoy them because the Dragons shipped two fifty-point losses. You got booed off by their own fans. Yeah, <laughs> they got good, you know, their own fans turned on them when they lost at home to Leinster. So there's there's a lot to play for. The season is not over. There, it, it had that feel a few weeks ago, but there's actually quite a lot going on. And of course, there's a new coach coming with a new coaching team and maybe the same ethos, maybe a totally different ethos. Indeed, yes. As, and we'll, we'll just walk straight into the whole new coaching thing.
0: Like we were, we were discussing it last week and I know I got slagged off for speculation, but you know it, it was pretty obvious that we were getting a new coach and it was pretty obvious who it was. Let's hear what Willie Rowan had to say at the press conference during the week.
1: Well, can you just give us a, an overview of how, how this process actually works now that it's completed? How do you, how do you actually go about this? Because it's all very... We, don't, we hear nothing, we hear lots of rumours, but how do, you, how do you actually set up to do this?
3: Um, so pretty soon after Pat uh, announced he was moving on, um, we, uh, we got together. And when I say we, um, myself and the Rugby Advisory Board from, from Connacht, And we sat down and focused very much on the the what rather than the the who. Um, What was it that we were looking for in a a head coach? Um, And by that, trying to build a a profile of the person. Um, And then once we were clear on the what, then we started the process of um, figuring out the who. And and to be honest, it actually is very similar to any other search or appointment that you'd make in any organisation. Uh, The what being effectively your job description, you undertake a search, um, you develop a long list and then you start to work through that um, uh, in terms of uh, some of the the competencies that they have and you you chat to a few people in terms of um, that long list and you make a selection. It genuinely has been pretty straightforward.
1: Looking at uh, Kieran Kane, who you've chosen, or Keane, should I say, his name is going to get changed when he comes to go D- away. Uh, and you that's to, to that. That,
3: that discussion is taking place already. <laughs> is
1: <it? laughs> um, when is he going to arrive?
3: He'll arrive once uh, he's complete uh, his own season in New Zealand. So that'll depend on whether it's uh, Super Rugby, how far they go in Super Rugby. He's a contract with uh, Chiefs and. Uh, He's uh, obviously uh, is honouring that contract with them,
1: but he, he's he's still missing a year of that contract, so are having to buy him over that. Or? No, 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 no. No, he's oh, finished. Issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And are you concerned about the fact that he's he's not going to be here for the absolute start of pre season? Is, is that an issue for you? I,
3: I don't think it's anything that can't be dealt with in the proper planning. Um, look, I mean, you know, we'd, we'd love him to be here for the start of the season. We, we'd all like that. But, uh, it wasn't something that was going to influence our decision as to who the right person was for a period of three years so uh, ideally he'd be there he's not but again I don't think it's anything that can't be addressed with good planning and, and um, making sure we're all clear on exactly what we're doing at every stage during the pre-season
1: because I was concerned with the fact that he was unhappy with the way the pre-season went this season so you know some of the. Yeah. He's really trying to get on, on top of very quickly.
3: Yeah, of course, yeah. But then again, I mean, there was uh, uh, different factors that would have played into that this season, which are last season, which is, you know, last pre season, should I say, which are completely different to what this is about. I mean, um, I think there was a certain, set, a certain set of circumstances last year that um, I think we would be well able to deal with again going forward. So um, uh, it's not something that we'd be unduly concerned about. Obviously, it's something that you have to plan for. Um, and make sure that you're you're taking that into consideration. But um, no more than that, no more than that. It's important that we get a really good pre-season under our belt next year, Um, and we would be doing that with whoever or whatever the situation was.
1: Um, It's a very strong CV that that he he brings, but he hasn't coached outside New Zealand. Mm. Um, Was that an issue for you at all, or, or is it an issue for him?
3: Uh, No, I don't think so. I mean, the main thing is that um, Kieran has worked in a number of different environments and his ability to adapt in each of those environments, both to the the, the people within that environment, the level that he was coaching at, that's something that has obviously been, uh, he's, he's, I suppose, sharpened over years of experience. And that's the main attribute that you, you, you want from someone. He's coming to a completely different environment. But in many respects, that would have been the same with Pat. Pat hadn't coached in the Northern Hemisphere; he would played in the Northern Hemisphere, but he hadn't coached either. So, um, you know, but he pretty quickly adapted as well. So, uh, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't something that was a, a huge concern to us. Um, many, many coaches have made that transition and come across from our, come up from the Southern Hemisphere to the Northern Hemisphere, and many of them have been successful.
1: And is well, when when Collins looked for a coach, or or, or any uh, member of a backroom team. Is budgetary concern there all the time? Have you just have you got to suit, cut your cloth to suit your means all the time?
3: Not not necessarily. Uh, genuinely, I mean, it, the budget piece didn't come into it actually. Um, and look, I mean, we all know that uh, there are coaches out there who are, uh, you know, they're, they're I suppose on budgets or should I say uh, they're a salary of almost seven figures. Some of them. Um, so we're not in that space, but the budget didn't really come into it. It was a case of, can we get the right person? Um, and there are a lot of coaches out there who, um, as they move through their their, their, their their coaching career, I suppose many of them become accustomed to solving problems with a checkbook. And we want people who can uh, coach and can solve problems through identifying talent, being really sharp at that, and then being committed to improving that talent and actually improving that talent. And that's something that Kieran has done all the way through his career. So... That was a really strong attribute um, that that he was bringing to it.
1: If you were picking one thing, well, is that his strongest attribute or is there something else that you saw when you interviewed him?
3: It it, it was a mix. Again, we built a profile and, um, you know, we were looking for someone who had head coach experience. Um, There's a lot of good assistant coaches out there, but it's a different thing being that person, that head coach. So he had that experience. He also had experience of winning, um, which was uh, important to us. Um, he had experience in terms of talent ID he had experience in terms of improving talent um, he had a really good fit with Connacht um, in terms of the type of person that he is and the, the type of teams that he had uh, worked with previously and then as well as that um, you know, he was the type of guy that was uh, has a track record of playing a very attractive expansive uh, attacking brand of rugby and it's something that the, the players really like as well um, So, and the, the support was everyone so across a number of different um, areas. He ticked all of the boxes in that regard.
0: So, William, that's some interesting stuff from Willie Rowan.
1: Yeah, it's unusual um, for Willie Rowan to do media briefings, but I don't think he'd any choice mm. because otherwise Pan Lam was going to have to explain all about why they've chosen... Uh, Karen Keane, as I'm going to try to call him till I find out what exactly his name is and what pronunciation he wants. Um, The inference right the way through was they've got the man they wanted, they've thought long and hard about what they wanted, they knew what they wanted, and uh, this chap ticks all the boxes for them. And uh, as you heard, I asked him a couple of questions about lack of experience outside New Zealand, and... This is a raised level for him, to some extent. It's the first time he's probably been a, 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 a lead coach or a full head coach at, at a fully professional rugby setup. But they've made their decision, and they seem very happy with it. Um, they don't appear to feel that they got rushed into it. Mm. Um, I thought it was interesting that he accepted the the fact that the uh, the budget is an issue. Mm. You know, Connacht have a budget they can afford mm. for a coach, um, but it was also interesting that he said uh, they also didn't want a coach who would solve problems by signing, getting his chequebook out, <laughs> uh, which I thought was uh, yeah an interesting comment and a, a very fair one. So it's basically look, it's it's an exciting phase for Connacht. It's it's that it, I think it'll take a bit of pressure off Pat Lamb and the current coaching staff now that the decision's been made. There's no doubt about it. It's a very long run in for it to be announced that Pat Lam is leaving in sort of December and he's going to be there till possibly the end of May if we go right through the whole process of playoffs. That's quite wearing. I think he's found it a bit wearing. So I think this it's it's done and dusted now. We've also heard, subsequently, obviously, the Conor McPhillips attack coach, last year's analysis, analyst, somebody that we interviewed, an extensive interview that we, we used earlier on this season on the podcast. He, he's going to Bristol. So there's going to be other changes in the background, bearing in mind that Andre Bell left after last season's Pro 12 win, and Dave Ellis, who we also interviewed, has gone back to the Auckland Blues. So there's a whole change occurring. And in any organisation of any description, when this sort of change happens... There's going to be a certain amount of disruption. Mm. People are going to be a little bit unsure about what is going to be expected of them and what is going to happen, how, how, it's, how it's going to pan out. It's also, look, if, if Pat Lamb had done four years here and had done reasonably well, but hadn't won anything,
2: mm. but
1: maybe improved Connacht as a team, there would be a certain level of trepidation. But the fact that he actually won something ramps up the whole issue about Pat going and the new coach has to deal with that when he comes in he has to stamp his authority have a look around see what he wants he doesn't seem to be a guy that's slow about coming forward he's quite direct and he's quite open about the sort of coach he wants to be mm. and uh i don't think i think i i personally think it is an issue that he's not going to be here till till quite late in in into the pre-season i i just I have an issue about that, but I don't think they can help it. Willie Rowan said that. Um, he's, he's under contract. He's going to stay there till the Chiefs get knocked out of Super 15. That could be mid-August if they get to the final. So it's going to be very important that whoever's in place, either people that he's appointed or senior players who are there or Jimmy Duffy or whoever is there, because the pre-season last year, and I know it came down to matches not happening. But it also, I think, was a bit of a mental thing. I think they'd reached a real peak at the Pro 12 final. It was obvious that they were struggling badly at the start of the season in September. That cannot happen again. They, you, you, if you want to compete in this league, you cannot be... We were nearly played three, lost three. Mm. If Zebre, if the rain hadn't come in Zebre. You can't have that because that, is sti- that was around the team for a long time. That the, mm. uh, They pulled it back and then it drifted away again. Dave said earlier on there, and he's absolutely spot on, home wins. It's a very simple league. You've got to win 15 or 16 games. Mm. If you win 10 home games, you win five away. If you win nine home games, you've got to win six away. It, it's just a balancing act all the time. And it's important that you get yourself going immediately. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see how he does. It certainly will.
2: And and there's a possibility of who he might be bringing with him, Dave. It, he seems to come as a package. He brought a couple of guys with him from Tasman into the Waikato setup under Dave Rennie. Uh, one of them is Andrew Strawbridge, who is a skills coach, and he is definitely out of contract. The likelihood is we've heard that Neil Barnes, who would be his number two and has been his number two at Tasman, does not see eye to eye with the incoming uh, new coach at Waikato. Guy, I think his name is Colin Cooper, I'm not 100% sure. He will almost certainly be leaving Waikato. And the reason I say leaving Waikato and not necessarily coming to contact is there does become an issue. Neil Barnes is a forwards coach and I do think, and I reading between the lines, and I think Will would have a much better idea, having having been much more upfront with the guy, uh, having dealt with the guys, is there is a, I've got the feeling they want to keep some connection with what has gone before. And with Connor going, with Pat going, with the departures of Andrew. now I know Paul Bunce is still going to be there, but he's more strength and conditioning than anything else. Um, they would have Jimmy. And I do think it was major advantage to Pat that Dan stayed on for an extra couple of seasons, season and a half, before moving on to Scotland and doing quite well there. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see what happens. If Neil Barnes comes, we suddenly face a situation is suddenly, is there a complete, um, sort of wiping the slate clean, a completely new board. And that will lead to issues as well because then you are looking, we're back to the, that very legitimate point that Will has raised, which is that none of these guys are going to show up before mid, mid-July mid at the earliest. And you can't start training. Somebody's got to be taking pre-season training. Somebody's got to be doing the pre-season And if, if you're saying that, Neil Barnes is coming in as a force coach, and what happens to Jimmy? Does that mean that Paul Bones is the coaching team for the month of June and the month of July? That can't be the situation. That cannot be the situation. I just, I can see Neil Barnes coming, but I can also see Jimmy staying, and then he's suddenly got a dynamic thing there. Um, I don't know if this is a full package. We need to know exactly who's coming on, and we need to know exactly who's going to be here in, in July. And so do the players. So the players need to know what happens when they come back. At the start of June, for their for the running around, danging and the, and the track, and and the, into the gym sessions before, and also that we do have somebody who is definitely saying, right, we're going to play these games, they're going to happen at these times, and these are because we, we they they, it's one thing to say we lack games, we need to have somebody organising the games and picking who we're going to be playing and teams that suit us. Remember, before the start of last season, we played was it was it brief? Well, no, it was Grenoble, and we got mm. a hammer, we got hockeyed, and we thought that's the season over. But it was a good for us because we got a couple of games in, and then we went down to Munster and we bet Munster, and it was the, those preseason games mattered. We got one preseason game and we were so and you're right, we were so undercooked. So it'll be interesting what happens. Um, I do expect I would. I'm not going to say definitively yes, it absolutely will happen. I'd be very surprised if Strawbridge isn't at least. I'd be very surprised if he doesn't come. I'm not saying he will, but I'm saying he, I'd be surprised if he doesn't. Barnes is a bit more 50-50 with the whole Jimmy and he's a forward cut situation, but it need we need to have a bit more clarity. Um, when when Kane, we know Kane is coming, but we don't know quite what's happening after that. And again, the timing issue. I think Will's got it spot on. If he doesn't, if he's not here till mid-August, we've got a very we've got a different but similar situation in the sense of it's another preseason that's kind of been botched by by just poor management of a situation.
0: Well, I think it's a bit harsh calling it poor management to go out and get a guy that's under contract and he can't get here until. Again, depending on when he does okay, arrive.
2: All I'll rephrase this later. Not necessarily poor management, but the situation where due the, to the circumstances beyond everybody's control, yeah. this is just the way things have worked out, that we end up with a team that's undercooked. I think whatever about, if it's a situation that that Kieran Kane isn't going to get here till mid-August, that doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't be having matches in early August and even late July. Mm-hmm. And if that, means, if that means it has to be Paul Bunce and Jimmy leading the team out, so be it. As long as they're getting game time and structures in place that Kieran Kane wants. Yeah like Kieran and that, that there is something about, so he can slip in. It won't be seamless, but it will be less problematic than if he just arrives on en masse and starts new in whenever he gets here. Indeed. Yeah, I mean, he's
1: got to have input into that, but it's difficult because, uh, you know, if he was coaching in France or something, he could hop on a plane, but you, you know, New Zealand is a, is a 24 hour <laughs> plus journey. Um So, a lot of this might have to be done by Skype or looking at videos or or, or whatever it is. The the other issue of course is player recruitment. Mm-hmm. It's how you handle this. Um, you know, it's just not feasible now to go out and say well they can obviously make suggestions, they can obviously have ideas, but it's hard to know who makes the decision to say well we're going to we need this player or that player is available and I want him. So Again, that's another conundrum for them that they'll just have to overcome. Well, The one thing about
0: KK is that, you know, that's his nickname and I'm going to, I'm going to start using it now to, so I can avoid the um, pronunciation issue, is um, he's, he believes in coaching players and coaching players to be better players. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't a huge amount of movement that we sign on a lot of guys for one year that we already have. And he has a look at them See what he do, see what he can do with them in in that first year, and then you know work on it from there. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, I
1: think there's, there's a very good possibility that next year is going to be a bit of next season, I should say, is going yeah. to be a bit of a holding season. Mm-hmm. Slight complication of that becomes after that, we don't know the structure of the Pro 12 how it's going to be. This is the, we we're led to believe this is the last season that it's going to be a simple 12 team. Championship. I'm using the <laughs> yeah, correct word there. word there. Yeah, um, the television deal is up for discussion. There's all sorts of rumours and theories about what's going to happen in September of 2018. So that's going to change the way that the competition is possibly played. So there's a, there's a lot coming down the tracks. It's quite exciting. And it's, it's a change. It's different. And everybody's going to be, you know, sad to see Pat go because he he brought a great amount of stability when he was here and success. But nothing stands still in sport. And um, let's wait and see what happens. Yeah,
0: because when you think about it, it's less than a year ago. We had a coaching ticket of Andre Bell, (laughs) Pat Lamb, Conor McPhillips, uh, Dave Ellis and Jimmy Duffy. And now we've got Jimmy Duffy. (laughs) It's amazing to see that happen in such a short period of time. It just, it just goes to show that the world keeps
2: turning. Yeah, The only team that has it worse than us is actually the Waikato Chiefs, because they're losing everybody. everybody. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly. Okay, we'll take a break and we'll come back with AOB. Okay, it's time
2: for any other business, and we'll start with Dave. Um, yeah, so it's been a very good Six Nations in terms of... Ireland performances under-20s on women. Uh, I want to highlight the women because, A, uh, there's a lot of chopping and changing and we're coming up to a World Cup and you need to be wanting to have your team settled. And I think if anybody saw the letter written by the two women fans about how they were just not happy about how there was so little consistency in team selection and, more importantly, that nobody seems to be coming out and explaining why there was so little continuity in team selection. And they were asking, look, if just Tom Tierney and Anthony Eddy came out and said, look, what's, explain what was going on, we'd be able to understand it. But they just don't. And then we had a situation where, in the middle of that letter, they linked to an article about, we believe this rumor might be true, at which point it completely undermines team continuity. And what has happened is, Alison Miller, who was fantastic against Italy, and Sonny Opu didn't have her greatest game, but is just always capable of doing something absolutely spectacular. And I think it's Emer Constantine. Uh, who had also got that try there at the end, another very fast winger, were all taken out of the squad by Anthony Eddy to prepare for the Las Vegas Sevens, which is happening next Friday. So suddenly the team is being undermined four months from the World Cup. I'm I'm going to be quite frank, about. I think they're being undermined by a plan that makes no sense in this year. The primary tournament this year is a -a 15-a-side World Cup. So why are we prioritising a sevens, which major tournament is not till 2020? It does not make sense to me. It undermines it. Now, you could argue it gives those guys the guys who came in the chance. And to be fair, they took their chance. It was not the greatest game. And I think that was a very poor French side. If we'd had the likes of Emma McConaughey, certainly Alison Miller, we would have been finishing off the chances that we missed. And it's just a level of... it's just It makes no sense. The women's team has been treated... Poorly, and there's been no Frank about it. but you cannot, get four months out from a World Cup, you should be solidifying your starting 15 and solidifying your squad. And I don't think Tom Dooney has a clue. I think he has an idea who his front row is, I think he has an idea who his back row is, and possibly, actually, I think he knows who his pack is, but outside nine, he, I don't think he has a clue, because he just keeps constantly chopping and changing. And when Anthony, it doesn't help when you have three of your backs taken away for a tournament. And look, it's the World Cup year, you prioritise the World Cup, and then if it's Olympic Sevens year, you prioritise Olympic Sevens, but you don't prioritise Olympic Sevens three years before it's needed. It's just brain dead. Just brain dead. <laughs> Follow that, William. <laughs> yeah, well, um,
1: it's obviously been a big story. Um Something else that was a bit brain-dead was was England's <laughs> performance on Sunday afternoon. Um, when confronted by uh, a very interesting tactic by Italy, which involved them not competing at the tackle area, so there's, there's no offside line, seemed to flummox and bemuse them. Uh, the fact that they solved it in the second half quite simply and went on to win the game wasn't enough because we then had the coach and other players, uh, players. ex-players, notably Matt Dawson, really getting into such a tizzy about it. It was absolutely hilarious. It was wonderful entertainment on Twitter. (laughs) Um, Uh. Look, your professionals, they weren't breaking uh, the laws of the game. It's a bit odd. I expect it'll probably be changed at some stage. But it was the failure to deal with it, which was really, I thought, interesting. Because... What seemed to basically happen was they came out and they assumed that Italy were going to play one way. When that didn't happen, not only they didn't have a plan B to cope with it, and I, I just wonder—is that symptomatic of, of 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 modern sport that if you haven't been coached about it or it hasn't been shown to you on a video or a whiteboard, because they just their their brains froze. They solved it. They won the game. They got a bonus point. And then to continue on with Eddie Jones saying he would retire if this was rugby and people should be demanding their money back. And I'm thinking, you really, that is, I thought it was a fascinating game for that, mostly for that reason. Also the fact that England played very badly in the first half and upped their game when they got a bit of structure into it. The whole Six Nations, I think, has been a fabulous Six Nations. I love the tournament. I absolutely. Look forward to it every year. I like the way it's laid out. I like the two games on a Saturday. I'm not keen on the Friday night game, and I think that'll be an interesting challenge for Ireland when they when they play Wales in Cardiff. But it has a. I think it has a. You know, a couple of years ago, people were saying it was. They didn't say it was finished, but they were they were running it down, and there was a there was degrees of of concern about it. Um, and people saying the rugby was, was rubbish And sometimes, you know, not all games are going to be brilliant But I think this this year has been really interesting um, It's been galvanised maybe a little bit by Lions Tour And also by the fact that I think sides are starting to, to try to play with a little bit more expanse They're, they're all trying to stamp their, their individual authority on it So it's just been great, there's two more weekends to go Uh, I hope it gets left at a seven, five weeks out of seven. There's Mm -hmm. rumours around that uh, television, to some extent, but mostly it would appear to be the Aviva Premiership, want it played on five consecutive weekends. Uh, It's not their tournament. It's not England's tournament. It belongs to uh, six countries at the moment, one of whom are Italy, who are under a little bit of pressure. They've marked everybody's card that they just don't want to roll over and die. Um. I think it's slightly worrying for them that they're reduced maybe to having to do that to just get a hold in the game. Um, I think the defeat to Ireland really, really hurt them. Uh, yeah. I think it got in, inside their heads mm-hmm. and I think they showed a bit. They have two more games to go. We'll see, we'll see what they come up with. But it, it's, it's been a really good tournament and uh, very enjoyable it has indeed and we'll leave it there only one
0: thing to finish off on just so is just to clarify the qualification for Euro for next year it's as simple as this if we finish above Cardiff we're in the playoff that's all we need to worry about we can't catch Cardiff we can't catch Ulster based on what's coming up and the results they're probably going to get uh, it would take an unbelievable set of results for us to, go, to pass either of them to, to get into the top qualification so effectively we just need to finish above Cardiff and we've got Zebra a few nights time we'll go back to a normal podcast with um, Captain Craggy taking control and having everybody enjoying themselves and having a bit of crack and with a bit of luck the weather looks as though it should be okay for the game with Zebra and um, we might see some good tries Thanks guys
2: Good evening Good night
0: And one last thing post 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 thank you very much to my dear lady wife who fed us lovely tonight some excellent food um so I just wanted to get that one in there. I'm sure Rob will cut it out. <laughs> <laughs>